0: Welcome to the FemStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Stacy Riccolo. I'm a female business owner living in Reno, Nevada. I own a gym called Wolf Valley Performance with my business partner slash life partner slash boyfriend Donnie, and we have two dogs together. But enough about me. This show is all about you. With this show, we hope to teach you incredible, life-changing things about your body, your mind, adventures, all the things, ladies. Our goal is to bring you topics that are not only going to educate you about you, but that will also empower you to take on the life that you want. We hope this show not only brings you knowledge and fascinating information, but also some concrete tools that you can implement in your life to create positive changes where you want to. We're going to learn some incredible things that we women just aren't taught most of the time from some absolutely phenomenal women doing phenomenal things. So this show is for you and about you. I'm just your host. I'm just the one asking the questions to bring you knowledge and well-informed guests to help you explore yourself. I can't wait to get to know you. I can't wait for you to get to know you better via the FemStrong podcast. So let's get to it. What is up, FemStrong crew? Welcome back to the Femme strong Podcast. Your host, Stacey Riccolo here. This episode is the last episode of season one for the Fem Strong Podcast. So If you've made it this far with us, welcome to the final episode. We will be taking a break over the holiday season, and season two will begin early in 2021. So in the meantime, hang out with us on Instagram. If there are any topics that you're interested in in the meantime, or if you have questions on any of the topics we've covered already, shoot us a message. We're always here and happy to help, but we will be taking a break from episodes and wrapping up season one with this episode today. So in today's episode, I got to hang out with Adi Casio. Adi is the founder and CEO of a company called Working Against Gravity, which is an online nutrition coaching program. She has worked with elite athletes like Katrin David's daughter and Tia Claire Toomey. If you're a CrossFit nerd, you know those names, and that's a big deal. Pretty legit. She is also an athlete herself. She's competed in the National Pro Grid League, and she won the bronze medal in the 2016 canadian national weightlifting championships so adi is legit super cool doing really really great things and she's super sweet so she also just recently had her first baby and in today's episode she came on to talk to us about intimacy after baby so this episode is packed with phenomenal information for us women not only postpartum but just in general guys there's tons and tons in here of good stuff from a D in regard to relationship and keeping intimacy a priority in your relationships it's dope i know you guys are going to love it whether or not you have kiddos whether or not postpartum intimacy is relevant to your life i know that the content of this episode is going to be beneficial for you i personally don't have kids And this conversation with a D has already impacted my life in multiple positive ways, genuinely. Like, actually, we had this conversation about a month ago now, and it seriously has genuinely impacted my life. It's been great. So I know it's going to impact yours, whether or not postpartum intimacy is relevant for you personally. There's tons, tons in here. So let's stop talking about it and just get to it. Hit us up if you have questions. Feel free to comment on Instagram or shoot us a message. Reach out. Let us know if you need anything at all, and we are happy to help you. All right, folks. Enjoy the last episode of Season 1 of the Femme Strong Podcast. Here we go. Good morning, Adi. Good morning. Welcome to the Femme Strong Podcast.
1: Thanks perfect way to start my day.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for making the time to hang out with us. I'm really, really very
1: excited. I'm super excited too. It's really (laughs) fun to come on podcasts and talk about like different things. So uh, I'm super pumped to be here. Yes.
0: I think our topic is going to be well received.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: It'll be very fun. Cool. So let's, let's dive on in. Let's start with, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: So uh, my name is Adi Kaju. Uh You'd have to look it up to understand how to spell it. That's um, 100% true. <laughs> I So I already had a complicated name before I got married. My maiden name is Zucker, and that also has an interesting spelling. And then my husband's last name is Kaju. And so I was just like, I'm spelling my name for the rest of my life. That's just <laughs> how it goes. Um and I, uh, what I do is I, I, I guess one of the things that I do, I do many things. Um, I have a, an online company that, uh, does one-on-one nutrition coaching and we also help people learn how to become nutrition coaches and we sell, um, also a software that allows them to like facilitate that coaching with people online. So mm-hmm. anyone who wants to just have an online remote business teaching people about nutrition, we can we're like a one-stop shop for all of that mm-hmm. um and I'm also a mom new mom I have a four and a half four month, and four and a half months old I was going to say four last <laughs> year not true four and a half months my brain is obviously not 100% working he still wakes up at least once a night sometimes in a once in a blue moon he'll sleep through the night which is mm-hmm. amazing but he is the light of my life for real mm-hmm. never been happier um I like baking and eating sourdough bread, and um, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Amazing! And your baby's name? His name is Shai, spelled like a chai latte, but with an S instead. Uh, it is actually not just like me trying to be interesting and unique. Uh, I mean, it is, but it's not. Uh, a D is an, is a very common name in Israel, and okay. Shai is also a very common name in Israel. Oh, that's There's true. like. Yeah, I know many, many people named Shai, which people find surprising.
0: I also find that surprising.
1: Mm-hmm. I also know many Adis.
0: That's so fun. Yeah, <laughs> you are the only Adi that I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's great. So, and I didn't realize that that was, I didn't realize that was a name that originated in Israel. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, everyone in my family, my brother's name is Ziv. My sister's name is Sheer. My mom's name is Naama, which is like almost impossible for people to pronounce. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And my dad is Danny, but that's also a common name in Israel. So it's not like he's like special. (laughs) He's not special. Is it like how we
0: would spell Danny or is it different?
1: Same, D A N N Y. Same, same. Cool.
0: How fun. Those are phenomenal names. Well, I
1: mean, like in Israel, it's a different language. So you don't use the English letters in Israel. Yeah. yeah so they, it would so be it's kind of arbitrary yeah yeah kind of
0: <laughs> that makes sense super cool okay great um and how often do you make uh sourdough bread
1: at least a loaf a week
0: oh wow, that's quite often
1: yeah it depends if i'm trying like right now i'm trying to perfect the loaf i'm okay. not getting the-, the the rise that i'm i want out yeah. of my loaf mm-hmm. so i'm baking this week i baked four so i'm just like testing out different variables as to why i'm not getting the rise that i need like water concentration humidity temperature like it's honestly a very complex thing to do you could spend seven dollars or like five dollars to get a loaf of bread from the store or you could spend 30 hours to make one yourself like it's really <laughs> up to you
0: <laughs> and how long have you been making sourdough bread
1: since the beginning of covid Wonderful. pretty much mm-hmm
0: That's fantastic. You know, it's really ironic that that's one of your COVID activities because there's this commercial right now. I don't know if you've seen this commercial, but it's a Trojan commercial and it's like about this couple and it's basically saying like, oh, we've been doing all these like things staying inside. And one of the things is baking bread. They don't say sourdough bread.
1: I I think it was like uh, one of the top COVID things that people started doing, like gardening and baking bread. Yeah. I didn't start either of those things. Hmm. Hmm. well you're missing out
0: I started podcasting though so oh that's great that's That's a great
1: COVID friendly activity it is yeah
0: well but the commercial though ends with saying well it doesn't say it but like text pops up on the screen and it says you could be having sex
1: oh I mean I'm also having sex so I don't know if that (laughs) applies to me
0: it's just great the irony that that commercial is out right now and our episode is all about sex
1: Yes. You've also been baking bread. <laughs> yeah, I make time for both. <laughs>
0: <laughs> both are very high priorities for you.
1: They are, in fact. <laughs> Wonderful. That's good.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So, obviously, for our listeners, this episode is about sex, as you know. So, you recently had your baby, which you already said. Yay, mm-hmm. shy. Yeah. Um, and so, our topic came up because you recently posted on social media about intimacy after baby and making that a priority and how you're navigating that journey with your husband. Yes. So can you tell me, because I'm curious, what prompted you to post about it that day?
1: Um, I don't think enough people talk about it. I think it's a, I don't think enough people talk about sex in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I am like, one of my biggest fears in life is being controversial. I like really, legit, when people say, what is one of your biggest fears? I am terrified of offending somebody I'm like I want it I want everyone to like me it's just a huge thing I like need to be liked um Mm -hmm. I do not like if I've offended somebody or uh if I don't want to be controversial I just really don't like it yeah and uh which is my husband loves being controversial so it's (laughs) it's not like the best match but um I just don't like it's kind of at wag it's a part of our culture like we don't talk bad about other diets so we don't talk bad about other programs like there is something for everybody it's partly partially my personality like I just like to be accommodating and kind yeah. and compassionate but not enough people talk about sex and I actually don't think that sex is controversial no so, I don't think that either yeah I just don't get why it's so taboo to talk about it it's like yeah. such to me and it's to me and I feel like to most people such an essential part of our health and wellness And it's so important to our well-being. And I think as social creatures, like we're still animals, even though we're uh, animals with consciousness. I mean, I don't know if we can tell that other animals don't have it, but um, I'm not a scientist. So if that's actually a thing, then don't hold me to that. (laughs) Um, But uh, we still like sex is a, a need. It's like an innate need, and it's part of being a healthy, happy human being. So I don't think enough people talk about it, and then I don't think enough people talk about it postpartum. So I actually Amen. I have a friend who is a sex coach, thankfully. So she's cool. like, yeah, just constantly pushes my edges, and she we're constantly talking about sex. And she has this group called That Sex Group. Formally called the kaleidoscope if you guys have ever heard of it mm-hmm. and um it's an amazing group like join it it's called that sex group on facebook it's awesome um and they just like she's she moderates it really beautifully it's not you're allowed to talk about anything you want in there but it's not um there's not like it's not like negative negative or there's no yeah. objectifying there's nothing like that it's like really yeah. amazing in general um and so i posted I actually got her to post in the group when I was three weeks postpartum or something like that, um, asking her group members what could, um, what, if they had any tips or ideas of how to like keep intimacy and sex alive postpartum and mentioning that I was like very recently postpartum. And all of the comments were something like, um, oh, she doesn't need to. Oh, let her know that she doesn't have to. And then I'm like, but what if I want to? What if I want to? Yeah. Yeah. What if I want to? Like, what? it's not this – I'm not asking for permission to not have sex with my husband. I'm asking, like, how you guys are managing this creatively. And because penetration was just, like, not happening for me. Like, no way was that happening. Understandably so. Yeah. Like, that just – I was having a hard time going number two, let alone – let alone (laughs) – (laughs) was that the thing exit was challenging
0: so so entry was not happening
1: yeah no there's no way and so I I just was so interested by that like I was so interested by that the automatic assumption is that we don't have like I am now not a sexual being and I should now I should now um just just be focused on the baby and forget that I have my own intimacy needs
0: right like turn that part of you off
1: which which like sex drive was very very different after having the baby it's it like was almost not there but it's just and it's coming back now thank goodness but it wasn't about like being interested in having sex it was about the connection with my partner and I didn't like I think a lot of postpartum is really life-changing and very difficult on the relationship. Like we've had to manage a lot of challenges in our relationship of how to communicate and how to work as a team. And being intimate is the fastest way to cut through annoyance and frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, like just like baby needs skin to skin contact with mom, like husband and wife or partner or uh, girlfriend to girlfriend or who, whatever your combination is uh, needs skin to skin contact as well. And it wasn't about me wanting to have sex. Like, I wasn't trying to say that I have sex drive and other women don't. I didn't really have sex drive. I was more so just committed to the practice of intimacy in my relationship because it's really important. And Mm -hmm. I actually discovered a lot about myself through the commitment to intimacy.
0: Yeah. I love that distinction, too, that it wasn't about, like, oh, I was, like, super turned on three weeks after having a baby it was now I'm committed despite not having the sex drive that I once had yeah to that intimacy and making that a priority and being intentional about that in your
1: relationship yeah I was like negative turned on to become completely honest and I also also like w- it's just for us to be happy and healthy and um If I'm committed to it, eventually I could get turned on. It just took me a while. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that totally makes sense. I mean, like, I feel like sex drive is so different for women in the first place of, like, so many variables go into that for women of, like, stress and, like, where our mind's at and, like, all these things. And so adding on, like, the additional stress and the physical changes that go into childbirth, like,
1: it's a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot.
0: Yeah, honestly though, I can't lie. I am really hung up on this whether or not animals have consciousness thing, <laughs> and I'm going to be thinking about it probably for the Wait. rest of the day. Whether other
1: animals have consciousness
0: or not. Yeah. I... Now I was thinking about like dolphins and crows.
1: Oh yeah, dolphins. Dolphins might. The I feel like, Aren't they the other ones that? I don't know. Maybe they do have. Con- don't quote me on that. I have no idea. I immediately <laughs> retracted that statement. Like, you did. I I'm immediately.
0: Not sure. <laughs> I'm you've you've raised a question for me. Okay, cool.
1: That, let me know what you. That find. I did
0: not anticipate, but I'll let you know. I feel like they might. You know. Yeah, they. Now might. I'm dying to know. Mm-hmm. Did you know though that crows? If you make friends with a crow, it'll bring you gifts.
1: Really? Okay. Yes. So I feel like maybe that is an indication that they do. Have they a
0: might. But
1: maybe. yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I also recently saw a video of a dolphin bringing someone's phone back up to them that they dropped in water. <laughs> I know.
1: So cute.
0: <laughs> I know. There's more about dolphins, but some of it's more traumatizing than phone phone stories. So yeah, we can, we can get into dolphins another time. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, what would you say then has been your approach and strategy in pursuing intimacy after baby? Because you said that your sex drive is super different. So, what has that looked like for you? What specific steps have you taken, and what tips do you have, perchance, that you've come up with? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I mean, I'm so grateful that my sex drive is coming back. It's like one of the best things ever. I didn't yeah. realize how much I missed it until. It started coming back, and I was like, "Oh my god, I feel like way more myself again." Um, what tips? What, what? So it really just started with small, like really, really small. Um, kind of like everything else, I think. Uh, the The we just had a habit of we have we've been together for five years, my husband and I, and we've been oh. married for four. So, it's me and my my partner. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I love the the concept of spontaneously wanting have, to have sex with your partner after five years. It's just like not as much a thing. Like it does happen once in a while and that's a beautiful thing. It's just definitely more rare. And so Agreed. instead of this like spontaneous happening, we treat sex like a practice. Mm-hmm. So like working out, like a lot of times, I don't want to work out and I just do it anyways, and I don't regret it. Also, wholeheartedly, um, and sex is kind of like that. So, we have always not always in the past few years, we have a ritual of Tuesday night date nights, and that means Tuesday sex happens on Tuesday mm-hmm. at some point, and then Saturday sex happens on Saturday and then it it usually happens one other time during the week but that's the freedom for it to be spontaneous or not happen at all um so so on those on Tuesday and Saturday at the beginning we would just start by talking about it like how am I feeling how are you feeling um with the caveat that like as the man in this situation or the person who was not pregnant it's important that it was important to me and to him that there was like zero pressure. There was no pressure. He would be totally okay. If I was just not interested in anything at all. Um, But we started with just conversations and then through the conversations, we actually just like cuddled. So I would just like, we would both just take our clothes off and we would just be skin to skin and just cuddling and talking. And that's just like still transferring the feel good hormones between one another. Um, and then we just escalated from there. So we had like the best makeout sessions ever, <laughs> like little high school kids that just like make out and um, like roll around on the couch, you know, <laughs> like, we just did that yeah. for a good bit. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, wow, we never, and now we're back to not making out like yeah. that anymore. <laughs> and I feel like that's the beauty of like, you were saying like
0: just taking that expectation off and like taking it slow. Like, cause I feel like that's kind of where those like intense high school makeout sessions come from is because like, you're not going there yet. Like you're not going all the way, you know? And so at least mm-hmm. these like phenomenal makeout sessions, because that's, that's what's going on. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's just like, we got to make this yeah. amazing. Um, and so that was really helpful to just one, there mm-hmm. was no pressure we could just talk about it. We could just cuddle, but there still was this container where we would have intimate time. Yes, with one I other. love that. And so we just knew that that was going to happen. We had a space created for it. So whether we would talk about it, we would cuddle, we would make out, we would have oral yeah. sex, we would, uh, we did, we did massages, we did um, dancing, we danced, anything fun. And it's just like anything that brings us closer together to be connected. Um, I'm sure anyone in longer term relationships can understand, you know, there's like this period of time where you haven't had sex in a while. And then just like everything your partner says, is just so annoying. Like everything about you just annoys me. (laughs) And then you have sex and it's like, Oh yeah. yeah, Like this is why I've been annoyed. (laughs) I forgot that I like you. (laughs) I totally forgot. I actually love you. that's so true (laughs) and it was just really just starting low starting low starting slow and he let me lead so I was 100% in the lead of where things were gonna go and I he constantly checked in with am I doing this because I think he wants me to or am I doing this because I actually want to and he was the one that initiated that conversation to because I definitely have a tendency to try and like please and want to do things because I want to make him happy and not necessarily for me. So he knows that about me and he would constantly check in with like, is this what you want to do? Or are you just doing this because you think I want to? Because I don't care. He's like, I do not care. And we constantly had those conversations. And I think that's probably what the people in the sex group were talking about. It's like she they were saying like she shouldn't feel rushed to get into sex thinking that like my partner was pressuring me to do that. And I think there probably are partners that do and partners that maybe get frustrated, but, um, this wasn't the situation for me. And I think a big part of that is because he understands like that I'm committed to it. It's not like never going to happen. And it's also could take time. And it just like, he knew I was committed to being creative and both of us being, um, satisfied. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that, and it really sounds like communication with your partner is is huge through all of this too. Of like mm-hmm. you're doing this as a as a journey together, and it's like it has to be communicated about to be successful.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I feel like anything in a relationship Amen. is
0: Amen. that way. <laughs> I feel like one of the, I mean, one of the biggest like. is a little deeper than just relationships. But, like, one of the biggest pieces of brokenness in the world, I feel like, is a lack of communication and a lack of, like, understanding and, like, truly communicating.
1: So, but, like, for sure in relationship. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite quotes that Michael – I don't know if Michael is the one who actually created this quote, but he says, talking to a wall is better than talking to nothing at all. And, like, just communicating with a wall could be better than just keeping it inside. Like, silence is – it helps things inside grow yes. faster. And sometimes just hearing yourself speak out loud is – sometimes I say things out loud. I'm like, man, I actually don't mean yeah. what I just said. I, But in my head, it made uh-huh. sense. No, it's, it's so weird. true. I
0: feel like the same thing. Like I talk to myself all the time. And my dad will like give me a hard time about talking to myself. But it's so productive. I'm like in the car. I'll like say things out loud that just like it's just helpful to get them out of my body. I agree mm-hmm. with that completely. I think – that Michael made it up because I've never heard of it before and now I love it. Talking okay, to a wall. So
1: quote by, quote by Michael Cashew, that's him.
0: <laughs> Michael Casio talking to a wall is better than what? than Nothing, nothing at, at all. all. Beautiful.
1: <laughs> Maybe it could be the next Dr. Seuss book too. <laughs> yes.
0: We just need some <laughs> illustrations. So if <laughs> any of our listeners want to get a cool illustration going on for that, that'd be really helpful. Please just hit us yes. up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Please do. <laughs> awesome. So what would you say has been the most challenging thing for you as you've as you've been going on this mini postpartum adventure?
1: Uh, in sex specifically? The intimacy adventure. Uh, in the intimacy adventure, I think the most difficult thing for me, I feel like there's probably a few. One, I think the top one is just not being interested, which is not something I'm used to. Um, I, I, I would say that I'm in like the higher sex drive category Mm -hmm. normally. And, um, I'm like, I was not interested at all. Like it just wouldn't occur to me. It was almost like, it felt like my body was like, don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. Like just don't get pregnant. (laughs) Don't get pregnant (laughs) again. Which that's like kind of what it felt like. So it kind of felt like my body was telling me to like not have sex. And, um, I mean, maybe that's, like, an evolutionary thing, but um, we can be intimate without having sex. So, uh, I – that was hard, and it's also hard – it's mostly hard because me not being interested automatically is not fun for him. Like, he wants to have, like, intimate time with somebody who's not interested in it. It's kind of, you know, like – it's just like, oh, I really want to have sex with you and the other person is not interested. Like immediately you're like, okay, let's not. Yeah, explain. okay, never mind. It becomes so yeah. unsexy. So there is this like difficulty of not trying to like force something or be fake, but also just be like really committed. Mm-hmm. And there's this, I didn't need to fake it. Like I didn't need to fake it. And I don't think it's appropriate to fake it. I still want to be like true to myself. So just navigating like, I want to be intimate with him and I'm also experiencing lower sex drive. So just like talking that out with him, even of like letting him know that and like letting him know I'm super committed to doing this and I'm having moments of just being like totally uninterested in it and uh, really just talking that out. But there were times where I feel like it, it might've been uncomfortable where I'm really not interested and he is. And then it's kind of like awkward. Um, so that was hard. Um, another like hard thing, I think naturally a lot of women experience is like my body was just so different, Mm -hmm. like so different. So I went from, I went from being like, I loved my body pre-pregnancy. So I just like felt very sexy. I knew how to move it. I knew the right, like the right things to do to like, you know, get the attention that you want. (laughs) So I knew exactly what to do. And then I got pregnant, and I, like, totally had to, like, reconfigure everything. Like, it was way – it was harder for me to, like, feel – I had sex drive, but just, like, feel like I could look sexy was harder for me in pregnancy, which I feel like is opposite for some women. Some women just feel so sexy during Mm -hmm. pregnancy. And then um, then all of a sudden, like, it changed again. And all of that changes happens really Mm -hmm. fast. Like, it feels like 10 months is a long time. It's just not that long. Like, imagine – just like putting it in perspective like you gain almost 40 pounds and then lose it all and then like all of a sudden this belly is like empty within 10 months like 10 months it's is not really that not long. that long yeah. it's not including the hormone changes so just like my my it's not that I didn't like the way my body looked it was more just like how to feel sexy in those experiences which was definitely really difficult like I I would I sometimes would just like wear clothes or um, try and be like more comfortable trying to find a way of what to wear where to be that I would be more comfortable Um, yeah those are like probably the top two most difficult
0: yeah that makes sense I mean it's so true that I mean I I don't have kids I've never had a baby but that is a very short time frame for a lot of change Mm -hmm. and it's not even constant change either so the interesting thing too is like it's not like you get pregnant and it's like whoop Point A, and then you're not pregnant, point B. It's like through that time, everything's changing like every day, every week. Yeah, your body is like every single day.
1: Yeah, and then like when you're, if you're breastfeeding, which I'm breastfeeding, your boobs kind of go from like full to empty many times throughout the day. There's like this constant change. And especially immediately postpartum, as your milk is coming in, like nobody told me. That they would get, like, rock hard, weird, painful. And nobody really told me about that. And there was nothing sexy about that to me. <laughs> <laughs> now,
0: were there things that surprised you that, like, you didn't feel were sexy that your partner thought were sexy?
1: Um, I mean, he likes my body now better than ever. He Which... I wish I was one of those people that could be like, yeah, that means that I do too. Yeah. But I just like actually just, I have my own preference of the way that I look and he has his pre- sure. preference. Um, and I think I just, am going to choose my own preference over yeah. his because yeah. ultimately that makes me act more confident and behave more confident, mm-hmm. which he'll like that more than right. the other. So, um, but I, that was definitely a little bit surprising. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've
0: actually heard that before from others of my friends that, like, after they have babies that their partners are just, like, so into their body. Yeah. And they're, like, what are you talking like about? This... Like, I feel, like, not even me, but you're really into it. What's happening?
1: Yeah. He'll, like, laugh at me. Like, I – like, my – breastfeeding is just like one of the craziest experiences ever um some women absolutely love it for me it's definitely been on the top three most challenging things for me just in terms of like the amount of time and the way that it's changed my body and and he'll make fun of me he's like wah wah your boobs are so big and amazing (laughs) just like you just don't get it I was like they were just different before they were just so different um and so that's been surprising like our differences and perspective um that's definitely been surprising but otherwise I am like so grateful to have put in the work before having kids to be able to communicate and to be able to like have conversations and it's not to say that you can't do it post kids or while you're pregnant but like the sooner you can get into the habit of creating space to have hard conversations with your partner Amen. the better for like, post kids during kids like whenever yes. just start having hard conversations with your partner and figure out how to nap navigate those conversations mm-hmm. together I love that and I love how you said like making the space for it of like setting aside that
0: time because you do have to prioritize it like those hard conversations they're not like they're not the conversations you want to have like for us we own a gym you know so like you don't want to have them like necessarily like between you know the 7 a.m. class and the 9 a.m. class <laughs> like you no. have to plan the time where you have this space to get real and actually like
1: muck through your shit mm-hmm. yeah yeah you have to create like a container yes. for it and um the best time to do it is when things are going awesome yes. I think a lot of people wait until their relationship is in trouble And then they're like, oh, now we have to have hard conversations. It's like there was a lot of little hard conversations that you could have been having along the way before you got to that place where you feel like I need to have hard conversations now that could have avoided getting to that place. Big amen. And it's so much better to do when you're in a good place because you're less defensive. You're less like trying to protect yourself and it's more just you're more open to see your perspective because there's no threaten, there's no threatening of the relationship like we're still solid we're still going to be together after this and so I can actually say something that might be hard to say or vulnerable because there's no fear of losing the relationship or being attacked. We're just like in a good place. I
0: love that. And I really do think too, that like good communication takes legitimate practice. So if you're practicing when things are good, then you have those tools in your toolbox when things aren't going well to slow down and back up Mm -hmm. and be like, hold on. I know when I say things in this way, it's received, not the way I'm sure, not the way I mean it. So I need to like choose my words correctly
1: to communicate effectively yeah and uh, yeah if for from a tactical perspective for anyone listening that yeah, needs like a place to start I mean therapy is a great place to start even if you're in a good relationship like if you guys have no problems therapy is a great place for you like it's still a great place for you just there's always ways to learn about each other it's really great but let's say that's like not in the budget you're not going to go to therapy um there's a book called getting the love you want by harville hendrix and helen hunt um they have this dialogue that you can go through in their exercises section of the book um and it's called it's uh called the imago dialogue and they walk you through step by step like how to have hard conversations with your partner and it's so we see still use it like we we yeah it's like the process is something along the lines of let's say I have a frustration I ask if I make an appointment like hey do you have a second for me to have a hard conversation with you he says yes or no and then we make a time for it then we have the conversation I'll express the frustration he has to mirror back the frustration meaning like he has to summarize yes, what he I just said and like communicate that he understands what you're saying I love that. Yeah. And it creates this like difference where it creates more of like an active listener versus like, oh yeah, got you. I heard you. It's like, no, tell me yes. what you heard. Because then it gives me an opportunity to correct you if you're mm-hmm. wrong, which he's often <laughs> wrong. He often didn't actually hear right. what I'm saying. Um, and or his interpretation of what I'm saying is yep. not correct. And then so then there's the mirroring. Then there's the, this questioning of like, is there more? Is there more until there's no more? And then there's, there's a summarizing and a validating where it's like, it makes sense that you feel that way. And like, I understand where you're coming from and that whole process. And there's a hug at the end, a one minute a long whole hug. minute. And yeah. Is the and hug naked? Going group. Just no, it doesn't have to be. But it can be. <laughs> if you want it to be. Yeah, it can be. Of course. Clothing optional. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, going through that. It's it sounds like contrived. And at the beginning, it is contrived. Like at the beginning, it really is. You're like looking at the sheet of paper and then you're then you're talking to your partner and then you remind what step am I at? And then you're like going through it. But it is it works like it just works. And no matter if you feel cheesy, it's like it can be funny. And turning frustrations into humor is like a number one like recommendation yes
0: I agree completely <laughs> I feel like I learned that lesson growing up with my brother And like we'd be fighting and if something funny happened it was like everything was done like even if one of us done. like said the wrong word when we're like angry like going off you know if we use the wrong word and it sounds stupid and we both just get that little like trying not to laugh about it but then we do it like distills everything it's great absolutely that's awesome so I'll put that book in the show notes it's getting the love you want Perfect. Yes. That's the Amago dialogue. Wow. Yeah. It's in okay. There. Cool. So yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. When did you guys implement that in your relationship?
1: Oh, I read that book maybe two years ago. But we 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 one like crazy yes. story about relationships. So I met Michael, and then we were yes. dating very quickly, very very quickly after. And three months into our relationship, I had a a friend who, um, I, I was at a this, this guy, I'm like, Hey, I'm looking for a female business coach. I specifically wanted a female. I wanted some female energy and he goes, okay, let me connect you with my, my friend, Annie. And so I'm like, okay, great. So he takes a video of us and he sends it over to Annie and he's like, Hey, this is my friend Adi. She's looking for a female business coach. Would love to connect you guys. For some reason, she gets on this call with me, and we get on the call, and this is three months into my relationship with Michael. We're, like, in, like, head over heels, madly in love, having sex, like, many times a day. <laughs> uh-huh. We're just, like, there's, like, no, um there's nothing possibly wrong. We're just, like, we don't, haven't even seen each other's crazy right. yet. Like, it's just, they, we, there's nothing wrong with us. Um, and uh, what happened was she gets on the phone call with me, and the first question she asks is... Um, why are you not in the most, the best relationship of your life? And I'm like, wow, this is wildly inappropriate for a business coach <laughs> to be asking me. Like, what a weird yeah. question. And I was like, I am. That's strange. And she actually is a love coach and she's not a business coach. <laughs> and so I'm just like, why are this is such a weird connection? And she's like, well, I have a free hour. Would you, do you want to take the call anyways? And so I was like, sure. And I took the hour, and by the end of the hour, she blew my mind. How cool is like, that? Like, blew my mind. And I got off the phone call, and I'm like, Michael, you need to call her. Like, you have to call her. And we have been talking to her for five years.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How
0: crazy. What is her name?
1: Her name's Annie Lala.
0: That's a really cute name for a love coach.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have a daughter. Her and her husband have a daughter named Love. <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh, that is yeah. so funny! Yeah, it was just like one of those like synchronicities in the world, and like her Annie and her husband's name is Eben. They are like family to us. Like they've, we debated naming our child after her. Like we like it's just such a crazy, such a crazy. It's like a testament to getting into talking to to a third party about your relationship. That's a safe space. Mm-hmm that early was like one of the best decisions we could have that's incredible that's really cool
0: so you had this one accidental phone call with her and then you Mm -hmm. were like yep i'm gonna hire you as my love coach
1: Mm -hmm. and it's been five years amazing yeah she's amazing that's super cool how funny
0: (laughs) my mind is blown a little bit about this right now i'm like wow
1: yeah, it's super random really? but also one of those things that you're like, thank goodness that, that happened. And now like there's just we I just call her sometimes for no reason. I'm just like, "Hey, can you just like poke around and see if anything comes up?" and something always comes wow.
0: Up. That's really cool. Mm-hmm.
1: So did you end up also
0: getting a business coach?
1: Yeah, another one no named Annie.
0: her name's Annie.
1: Yeah, it just happened to be two That's Annies. That's
0: great. So there's Annie Lala.
1: And- yeah, and then Annie Hyman Pratt. Yeah, we we call her Annie HP. Annie. Cool, that's
0: great. <laughs> I'm gonna go stalk them after this too.
1: Yeah, they do not have social media presences, but that's you can fair. definitely stalk <laughs> <find> them. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere online, they're definitely not the like. Instagram yeah, that's type. fair. I feel like there's
0: a lot of like such phenomenal, amazing people doing phenomenal, amazing things, and they, I mean, don't create content. You know, their content is what they do, not on Instagram
1: a hundred percent and they it's like and they absolutely and they kill it yeah like crush it that's really cool
0: (laughs) I feel like I have a lot more questions for you about these two annies but we'll move on on our topic we'll stay we'll stay stay the course a little bit so we talked a little bit about what was most challenging for you in your intimacy Mm -hmm. adventure um what's been the most rewarding thing for you
1: uh the, the most rewarding and so surprising was like Exploring intimacy quickly, postpartum, uh, it actually really helped me heal in terms of I definitely, I went to, I went into labor early, four weeks early. My, We stayed in the NICU for a week and I had a lot of like, whoa, like shock, just this. And not only I went into labor, like my, my I had my first contraction and then 20 minutes after my first contraction, I was in active labor. Like it was just like very fast. The whole thing just happened really, really quickly. And I, it was almost like slightly traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it actually was was traumatizing. traumatizing. (laughs) Not to like negate my own trauma, but um, yeah. So I had like a lot of up and down emotions and I know a lot of women in general just have a lot of up and down emotions after uh, having a baby. And I just immediately went into this like take care of this life mode like this is my new job this is my new life's purpose like this and I just had to like go through the motions like pump milk bring it to the NICU pump milk bring it to the NICU hold him when I can like be the person who's like in the NICU as much as I possibly can you can only like touch him Mm -hmm. at certain times of the day and like just I was just like kind of losing myself Mm -hmm. a little bit and when I would have those moments of intimacy with Michael it, like, reminded me that I'm my own person separate from being a mom. Like, the exchange of energy, like, the sexual exchange of energy never happens with the baby. Right. Obviously. I would hope not for anybody. Like, that is that is not what's going on. So that – because it's, like, so separate from him and it's just never happening with him, it reminded me, like, oh, I am my own yeah. person. Like, I have my own body, and it's – he's not breastfeeding on me right now, and he's not touching me right now, and I'm, like, my own body. I can do what I want with it, and it reminded me of my own, like, sovereignty almost. Like, I am my yeah. own person, and uh, I, like, did not expect mm-hmm. that. I think after the first time, we, like, really had, like – a because f- because we also – we kind of take this intimacy very seriously, so we'll, like – create I'm in this room I'm in right now you can see it nobody else can see it but this is our like meditation space room and we love it we like light incense and then we turn the lights down and we put candles all around the room and Michael will bring in like a feather or something and he'll like use the feather to tickle me like we'll do like lots of really creative interesting things Um, we'll put certain music on we'll um, just all sorts of different things I think it's like so fun to explore and um, I remember after the first time we like created a real ritual in the house because we weren't in the hospital anymore. Um, I like cried. I really just like had was overwhelmed with emotion. Like, oh yeah, like I'm still there. Yeah. Like, I'm still I'm still me, even though I ha- now have this this other piece of mm-hmm. myself.
0: That's so interesting. I feel like that's one of the biggest struggles that I see my friends go through when they have a baby is that sense of loss of self. They're like they don't feel like they're their own person anymore they don't know who they are aside from being a mom and they don't they don't feel like them so it's really interesting that that was affected for you by this because it, it sounds yeah. like they'd be like two separate two separate things you know so it's really mm-hmm. cool to hear that by exploring that and being intentional in intimacy with your partner that that also brought you your sense of self and reminded you like you said of, of like your own sovereignty of like
1: you are you. Mm-hmm. you yeah. Well. And sex could be the answer for you. <laughs> sex is the answer people. <laughs> and that doesn't mean, And when I say sex, I don't mean like, yes, I mean like just intimacy. Yeah. I love that.
0: Amazing. Okay. So we've talked a lot about being intentional um, and communication. So one of my questions for you uh, was just all about that. Like intentionality. That's not a word but that, uh, I think it isn't? is a word. Cool. Yeah. I'm we'll use it. A word. that word ha- intentionality yeah. in your relationship. Um, so I was going to ask you like, how does that positively impact your experience as a couple? What advice do you have for other women regarding being more intentional in their relationships inside and outside of physical intimacy? I feel like we've touched on that a little bit. Um, but do you have anything more you'd like to say about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, we are currently working on this thing called a family constitution, And uh, one of the categories, it's basically, like, what type of legacy do you want to leave behind beyond your money and your assets? Um, It's, like, our thoughts and ideas, and we're putting them down in different categories. The five categories are, like, um, spirituality, finances, physical, mental, physical emotional and social and it's like a bunch of questions for each of those categories and we're going through them and then we would like like our goal is to do an annual retreat with our whole family and revisit all of them and like like develop this family constitution as a family of like the lessons that we learn and then we can just like transfer this information to our kids and i don't know it's like a fun thing to do and um one of the main things that we talk about in there uh, is intentionality, where it's such a huge part of every single aspect of our life. Um, m- to me, that means we're not just like going through the motions. We're not just doing the things we think we're supposed to do. We're thinking about is what I my our One of our number one priorities in life is to actually enjoy our life. And uh, we, we have a, we, we, we only have one life. And I think the best service that anyone can do for the world is to enjoy your own life. It's like one of the number one acts of service that you can do. Because if you enjoy your own life, you put that energy out to all the people around you and you show them what's possible. And that is service. Like that is doing a good service. Like It it could sound selfish, but it's actually selfless. And sometimes it's selfish to like just expend all your energy on others when you're not doing it on yourself because you're getting something out of that. And so in order to enjoy our lives, a lot of times we can get lost in this rat race of these comparisons and this like, I need that. And I need this. And, and just get lost in everything. So bringing ourselves back to being intentional uh, and that for us, that looks like we have rituals built in because otherwise we won't do it. So we have to build rituals in there. And I think it's worth noting the caveat that we took a long, it's been five years of creating these rituals. So, don't be overwhelmed by the fact that we have so many. Um, Just start with one. And I think for this conversation, the best one to start with is that we have a relationship check in every Sunday. So every Sunday, we have one hour on our calendar, where we go through a number of questions, meaning like, what is our schedule for the week? When are we going to have sex this week? And do we want to do anything new and different? Like we have a baby now. So we've, been intentional about how do we have sex minus the baby. Like how does that happen? So we like get a friend to come watch the baby and then we'll book a hotel room for the night. It's COVID shit's like really cheap. Oh. Um like like hotels yeah. are really cheap. So we don't actually spend the night in the hotel. We'll just go for a couple hours during the day so we can be without the baby and then we'll that go That so home. fun. Yeah. So like it's just being like that stuff wouldn't happen spontaneously. Right. So it's just having a space to be intentional about our relationship. Mm-hmm. So we talk about sex. We talk about our schedule. We talk about, um, like, anything that's coming up that, uh, for him that I don't know about. Um, and then we do anything unsaid. Like, is there any unsaid? So, like, I'm holding on to some frustrations, which sometimes they come up during the week. And I want to say them. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to save it for our check-in. I love that. Because we have this, like, safe space right. to bring it up. Where I know nobody's gonna get defensive, and then at the end we give each other we give each other praise. At the end, (laughs) I really like that part—a praise for (laughs) ourselves and a praise for the other. That's amazing, and so that's yeah, that's like the one that we do for our relationship. But since we've been doing that, we've incorporated intentionality into every aspect of our life. We have a personal finance meeting once a month where we go over our finances. We have, um, uh, we work together. So we have a meeting once a month where we talk about the business and where we want it to go. How's it going? Um, and then we have like our family constitution, which we, we're working on right now. And we would like to visit once a year that would include like our own personal visions for ourselves. Um, so we are like very intentional about you a lot are- of things. Yeah, I would just start with one.
0: (laughs) I love that. And that's something that I like, I have always respected about your guys' relationship, which sounds creepy because I met you today. But I mean, I've listened to your husband on his podcast and he's talked about those things, about those, some of those check-ins that you guys do and being intentional. And I, I just think that's such a beautiful thing. It's super cool. And it has made me curious, where did that originate for you guys? Was it, was it you? Was it him? Was it both of you?
1: Um, we've always been into like personal development. I mean, he's him more than me. So Michael was an opiate addict and went to rehab Mm -hmm. and, um, he went to like eight years of therapy, like group therapy, family therapy, inpatient therapy, outpatient therapy. So, I mean, I have the good fortune, fortune of meeting a recovered addict who's been doing that Uh, work work. when I had done none. So he really dove me into that world. Um, and I'm super grateful that he definitely has led me in a lot of ways to that. So we definitely were always, he was already well-practiced at having conversations yeah. like that. Um uh but when we really got serious about being intentional was this might be so random, but you're from Reno. We went to burning oh, really? man in black rock city. That's amazing, <laughs> Yeah. So we went to burning man once and, uh, we we're part of this camp like it's basically for anyone who doesn't know it's like this festival that happens once a year and it didn't happen this year i don't think anything happened this year and then um it's a city of like a hundred thousand people that gets built in a week people are there for a week and then it gets taken down and i think there's this perception like it's just partying it's actually an entire city meaning like there's a church there there's there's um AA meetings that happen there there's like there's anything you can imagine is happening there there's a gym there's like it's just crazy it's It's just this whole city gets built Mm -hmm. and then this whole city gets taken down and they've left no trace when they're done it's very cool and we were part of this camp um the whole city is each village or like city in the city I guess like county in the city is like called a camp and we were part of this camp that was their like one of their number one ethos was intentionality. So they started the whole uh, burning man with like, what is your intention for being here, your personal intention, and your collective intention? And we were having those conversations. And we realized like if we were intentional about what we wanted, we would get it. And mm-hmm. um, that was like just like really seeing it in in practice. Like, I want this. I'm gonna be intentional about how to get it. And uh, someone talked about, like, I don't know if you've heard people talk about, like, I've manifested yeah. this in my life, like manifestation. And we realized that, like, manifestation is just attention. intention and attention. So if you take, have an intention and then you put your attention on the intention, which is why we have these rituals where we continuously put attention on our intentions, mm-hmm. you manifest whatever you want yes. into the world. Um, Not to be like hyper spiritual for you, but um, it's basically just like putting attention on the things that you want and we want a good relationship and we want to have sex often because it's good for us. So it makes us feel good. Mm -hmm. So we put time and attention. I
0: love that. Actually, recently, literally this week, the quote that I put up on the Strong Instagram was, if you don't know what you want, you won't get what you want. Like you have to get, you have to give yourself time to figure out what you want figure out your intention otherwise you're not going to get there Mm
1: -hmm. that's great yeah
0: setting those intentions and knowing what direction you're going as opposed to just plugging along
1: I Mm -hmm. like it that's
0: great that's great so I guess our takeaway tip then for that is start with one intention start with one thing
1: start with one Ritual. ritual yes just like a ritual, a, a, a time where you're going to check in with your partner mm-hmm. or check in with yourself. Like just start a ritual that could be for you, like an individual morning practice. Like every morning I journal three pages or just create one mm-hmm. ritual and be consistent with it. And then you can start adding others. Perfect. I like it. Okay. So I'm sure that some of, some of our listeners are
0: hearing our conversation and they're like already getting frustrated with their partners that they're like, if I try to do this, like, I'm going to be like tugging the boat along or like, it's going to be all the pressure on me or they're not sure they're going to get good buy-in from their partner. Um, What would you say to those women? Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah. I, I, there's this, this thing that human beings do. I am included in that where um, sometimes we create problems that we don't actually have. And I think we can talk ourselves out of doing a lot of things. Like, he's not going to want to do it. He's not going to be receptive to it. Um, Unless you've already tried and that's actually happened, I would hold on to the possibility that you're wrong. And that might be a problem that you don't actually have. And you are actually might be inventing problems. And we do this with everything. Mm -hmm. Like, so many things. Like, what if I... um, (laughs) like, what if I, I'm using nutrition coaching as an example. Like someone says to me that's starting a business and they're like, what am I going to do when I have 10 clients? I'm like, well, how many do you have now? They're like, I have two. I'm like, I, well, when you get there, you'll figure it out. Um. So if you haven't even tried, then I don't know that you can be certain that it is true that they won't be mm-hmm. open to it. Cause you actually don't know. They might, they might not be, but they mm-hmm. might. So, a way to approach it with like the highest likelihood that you are going to get the outcome that you want, um, I always recommend just starting with like I, uh, this is really hard for me to talk about, or that I have a really vulnerable thing to talk about, or I want to talk about something that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, and you can say like I might not even choose the right words, or this doesn't mean you know like I just want. I, I love you. Um, and I might be think when I'm saying this out loud, I might be also thinking it for the first time at the same time. And I want you to bear with me. And this is important to me, like any, um, qualifier that lets them know, like, this is a hard conversation for you. You feel a little bit uncomfortable. You're worried that they're not going to be open to what you're about to say. You can tell them, like, just be open mm-hmm. right there. Like, this is really hard. And it's also really important to me. And I, I would love a hundred percent of your attention when you're talking to me so that if they're like watching TV or like doing something else, make sure they're like with you. And then you can say like, Hey, I really would love to put a time in our week to focus on our relationship. Not because I think anything's wrong, but, but a D casu was on a podcast and she said the best time to do it is when your relationship's going well. (laughs) And I want to make sure our relationship goes well forever. You can blame it on me. Totally blame it on me. I
0: love that. I think that's great. Perfect.
1: Yeah, I really like that.
0: I, lo- I love that way of approaching it and giving that qualifier and creating that, that opportunity for them to, like, understand you're being vulnerable.
1: Yeah, and give them permission to say no. Like, no, this isn't a good time. Yeah. So that you know 100% that you are going to get 100% of their attention. So if it's not a good – if this is not a good time, let's talk about it later. Nothing's wrong. Just let's talk about it later. Michael says no to me all the time because I think out loud. So I'm like, hey, can I tell you something? And he's like, can we talk about this later? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, but I will. <laughs> That's definitely been
0: a practice in our relationship of like, I am very much willing to be the one that's like saying like, Hey, no foundry, not right now. I love you. Let's talk about it later. And that's taken some, some adjustment and getting used to for Donnie. (laughs) And I've had to like, tell him as well, like, say it to me when you're not, when you're not in a space, cause he'll just like, he's super introverted and he'll just like, ignore me. <laughs> or like mm-hmm. just like not respond because he like doesn't have the space for it. And I'm like, hi, if you could just like respond and tell me that later is better, that's perfect. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause the first few times that I did like that, I said it to him. of like, Hey, okay, I don't have the space for it. Love you. Let's do it later. It was upsetting to him. He was frustrated. And I was like, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we need to be able to do that and do it back. It's okay to do it back. I'm, I'm yeah. very much the one who's 100%. like more, more like the, what, I guess the Michael in that situation. I'm like, hi. Yeah.
1: He's like the more individual person. I'm the more like together person. Yeah. We call them the I and the we people. I'm the we people. I'm all about the we and he's all about the I, <laughs> which you need an I person and a we person. It's a good yeah. thing because he teaches me how to be more I mm-hmm. and I teach him how to be more yeah. we. I love that. That's cool. Sweet.
0: Alrighty. So before we move on, is there anything else you want to touch on regarding, I guess we've gotten really a lot into relationship and intention, but is there anything else you want to touch on regarding intimacy after baby?
1: Um, mostly just like be creative. Just don't lock yourself into this idea that sex just means penis and inside vagina. Like it just doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, it means just connecting and there also doesn't have to be a goal. Like your partner doesn't have to climax in order for sex to be worth it. Like sometimes neither of us reach orgasm and that's totally okay. Um, I don't think, uh, the goal making sex like goal oriented towards everyone having an orgasm is sometimes a lot of pressure for everybody. And uh, it's like, sometimes I feel like if that's the goal, I'm like, Oh my God, like, am I going to get there? Like, I don't know. And then I shouldn't, I don't want to be thinking about that when I'm having sex instead I want to be thinking about just connecting and that's really what it's all about. So I think taking the goal of any type of goal, like have an orgasm or achieve X, Y, Z and just make the goal, connecting with one another, that is um, really, really helpful to just take the pressure off. And I feel like that's not just postpartum, but in general, Mm. um, for both people.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Being in the not postpartum camp. That's, that was great words for me as well.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Wonderful. Otherwise, like, if you're a woman, you're just probably gonna fake it. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I feel like we're moving, though, into this beautiful, like, era where women are like I'm not faking my orgasm period
1: <laughs> no, yeah you shouldn't fake your orgasm hell don't, no
0: don't fake it
1: mm-hmm.
0: now we're going to get into the last couple of questions that I asked all of our guests very fun mm-hmm. I like these questions they're my favorite I made them up so I, I think they're cool um, so Adi can you tell us about a time in your life or an event that was particularly empowering for you
1: labor and delivery hey yo yeah, I swear I could do anything. Like, I legitimately feel like I can do anything. Um, yeah, getting – having a baby and getting them from in my body to outside of my body was, yeah. like, the most – i I've never felt more um, in control of myself, even though that experience in large part is out of your control. Yeah, like your body is just doing its thing, and um, I did a lot of work in preparation, like a lot, which probably doesn't surprise most people that I did a lot of preparation. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of prep to um just like mentally prepare for that experience. Yeah, and it was really scary because I had no idea what to expect. Right. Um, you hear all different like ends of the spectrum, like all the way from. It's the most terrible thing you'll ever go through and it's super traumatic to like I had an orgasm while I was pushing my baby out. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, which one am I going to (laughs) be? I definitely didn't have an orgasm. That wasn't me. Okay. But um, it was to be able to like use my own mental capacity to get through that experience in a beautiful way. And like looking back and being like, it was such a beautiful experience. I feel like I actually am capable of doing anything.
0: That's amazing. I was hoping that, well, I didn't think this, that was going to be your empowering experience, but I'm so excited because I was wanting to ask you more questions about your birth experience. Oh, so ask away. Is- um, So you said you went into labor four weeks early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then did you, and 20 minutes later, you were, after your first contraction, you were in full labor.
1: Yeah. I was actually planning to have a home birth. And that was my
0: question was, were you going to do it at home? Did you go to the hospital? How did, yeah, how was so that in your brain?
1: In Texas, you can't have a home birth until 37 weeks. And I was 36 weeks in two days. So, uh um, a big part of me was in denial for a lot of the beginning of it. Like, Mm -hmm. no, this, they say that you can have contractions for weeks. Like we're going to be in this. And I was like convinced I was going to 41 because I knew that if I hoped for him to come early and he came late, I would be miserable. So I'm like, he's going to come to 40. He's going to go all the way. I just kept telling myself that Mm -hmm. to help myself mentally. Um, And then he at 36 weeks and two days, I was It was really strange, actually. The night before, I had driven to a lake that's 45 minutes away by myself the night before. And uh, thank goodness I didn't go into labor then. Michael was at his final trip, overnight trip, before the baby came. So he was out of town. And then the next day, he came home at like 5 p.m. And I I had gone to Barton Springs that day. I was like out with friends. I was being like super active. And I remember I was laying on the couch with him. I'm like, I think I just had a contraction and it was, I had been having Braxton Hicks for a while and I had Braxton Hicks with a cramp at the same time. And my midwife had said that that was going to be a contraction. I'm like, cool. Something's starting. It's going to be like, Oh, we got weeks, but like my body's preparing. Yeah. And Good then job 20, so cool, Yeah. I was so proud of it. <laughs> and then I'm in bed 20 minutes later. Um, And I'm noticing that the cramps are five minutes apart and they're lasting for 50 seconds. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is like, I can't ignore this. And I'm like, oh, but like, it's probably going to slow down again. Everyone says like, you go to sleep and then it slows down. And then um, I started leaking fluid and I'm like, no way I'm peeing my pants right now. Like, this is crazy. So I went to the bathroom And I looked in the toilet, and it was clear fluid with, like, some blood spots, which is, like, my water had broken, and there was just no staying home. And so um, we packed a bag to go to the hospital, and uh, within the next nine hours, he was here. Wow. That's so quick. Very quick, especially for a first time. Amen. Um, Yeah. It was just really, really quick. Um, And I just immediately – I. Like I had done so much prep, but I was not ready for him to come. Like I was like, I was still working. I planned on having two weeks with no work, just like doing nothing all day, waiting for him to come. So I was, I had worked that day. Like I was still working. I, I didn't sleep the night before. And this is like 9 PM when it started. And I remember I had like some nervous energy and Michael looked at me saying something along the lines of, um, Hey, Hey. If this is actually happening right now, I want you to think about, like, the kind of experience you want to have. And it just, like, immediately flipped a switch for me. And I was just like, you're so right. Game face on. I'm ready for this. Like, I'm so ready for this. And, yeah, we got to the hospital. We did the whole COVID check and everything. And it was pretty wild. And um, my first cervical check, I was nine centimeters dilated. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, it was wild, like, super wild experience. <laughs> that is and I bonkers. And the the midwife, like, checked me multiple times because she didn't believe it, like, based on the way that I was behaving. Yeah. And it just reminded me, like, I am mentally very capable of just, like, pushing through um, intensity, like, in my body.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's super cool. So what... I have all these questions. Just going to make this episode a little longer than I plan on it being, but uh, what kind of things you said you were very prepared that you would put a lot of preparation. What kind of things did you do to prepare?
1: So I talked to every single mom that I know mm-hmm. about her um, labor experience, like yeah. in detail. Uh, I just like real, I learned through having conversations with people. I'm oh, sure you that. have a podcast. So you can learn through having conversations with people. Yep. Um, I listened to a podcast called the birth hour. And uh, I, uh, there's, it's just an hour of a woman giving her labor story. Oh, that's and so, so cool. Yeah. And it's all sorts of different types of stories. I didn't listen to any negative ones. I, there are negative, like, um, like emergency experiences that they do talk about on there. I just didn't listen to those. Um, I listened to maybe like hospital transfers because I just wanted to know what that experience would feel like would be like from the mom's perspective. Right. So they planned a home birth and they transferred. Maybe that manifested it for me. So maybe I wouldn't <laughs> next time. Um So I listened to, I probably listened to over 50 under a hundred episodes. Like I listened to a lot of them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um And then I read a book called Ida May's guide to childbirth. And, that was really, really helpful as well. There's like I think there's a number of story labor stories in there too, and then uh, Michael and I took a hypnobirthing class, um, and that was really fun. And it got like us doing it together and teaching him how he was going to be my partner in it and how he can support me. And I really felt like we were doing this together and it wasn't just me. Yeah. And then I had a doula, mm-hmm. and my doula was really helpful. Um, and I just did a lot of meditation and preparation i michael is he the the thing that i think is the coolest thing about him is of anyone i know i've never met anyone and i know a lot of people that are like crazy fit like games athletes olympians like olympic medalists like all sorts of people his like mental capacity to push through pain is just beyond anyone i've ever met he might not be like as fit as them or as talented as them but he just mentally he is so strong and he's willing to like override his physical and so I would have a lot of conversations with him about that it's not the same as going through labor but just like what are you thinking about why how do you push through things like what what's going on in your head when you're feeling tremendous pain but that, like what are you thinking yeah about? But, but you're staying calm and mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's he's so well regulated so yeah that was that I did tons of meditation and uh, that's a lot I did all that
0: that's great and what a cool I mean that's such a cool partnership to be in I mean what a what a cool quality for him to have for you to lean on and learn from him in that way I feel like mm-hmm. it's pretty rare for women to have that to to garner from their partner in that way
1: Totally, and if you guys need another person to talk to about it, just send me a DM on Instagram. I will tell you all about it. You got <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> I feel like we're gonna need to do more episodes. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about. Okay, great. Um, so we'll get into our final question here, which I feel like you're gonna have a, a fun one for. Do you have a mantra? If so, what is it?
1: I have so many, but yeah, your current one that mantra. I, my, I ha- I'll tell you like my like life mantra. Yeah. Um, I, I, the there's a guy named Michael Bledsoe he used to be a host of uh, this podcast called Barbell Shrugged and I met him um, around six years ago and uh, he said something to me when we were hanging out one time and he's kind of like a brother from another mother for, with like he's one of my he's like he has a special place in my heart and he said something to me along the lines of I'm a good person and Like I know I'm a good person and I am doing the best that I can with the information that I have available to me. And if I make a mistake, it means I was missing a piece of information. And I say that to myself over and over and over again. Like I'm a good person and I'm making the best decisions possible with all of the information available to me. And if I make a mistake, it means I was missing a piece of information. And it kind of helps me like take the pressure off. Like I'm a good person and I'm definitely making the best decisions I can with the information I have. And if I make a mistake, it means I was missed. There was a piece of information that I didn't have because if I had that piece of information, I would have made a different decision. And so I say that to myself all the time, especially when I'm doing things like, as I said at the beginning, like one of my biggest fears is being controversial. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing something that like, I'm not sure I'm not sure like I post about sex postpartum. I'm like, not sure if that's going to land for people or it's going to be controversial. And I just Mm -hmm. like stay with, I'm a good person and I'm making the best decisions I know. Mm -hmm. Um, And if this is controversial, like I was missing something about like, I I was missing something about it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I, I feel the same about being controversial and like, I don't want to, (laughs) I, I have a lot of respect for people who are willing to just like really say what they think on all of, all of their platforms and be open to those conversations. But I'm just not, and like people are ruthless and not nice on social media. And like, I don't want like, especially like with the gym or with like the strong stuff. I'm like, I agree. I don't want to be controversial. I want to be helpful and informative, but I don't want to divide. So totally. Yeah, so I really love that perspective on it. It's like doing the best you can with the information you have and giving yourself grace if you
1: misstep. Totally, because even though you want to be con- don't want to be controversial, you you still have these things that maybe you don't think are controversial but you think are important and yes. it sometimes rubs people the wrong way and it's so true. And some things are, are like
0: even though you're not trying to be controversial, some things are important and some things like you mm-hmm. you do make that choice to be, to open yourself up to the potential controversy or be vulnerable and open yourself up to some criticism because it is important. And I think this topic, especially like props to you for going out on the limb and being vulnerable and <laughs> getting it out there because other women do really, I mean, they need to, they need that representation, you know, like you're not the only one going through it. But I do think you are one of the few going through it with the perspective and intention that you have. and I think that can be so positively impactful for so many women. And if you weren't talking about it, they wouldn't know.
1: I hope so. I hope so. I hope yes. that this was helpful and that you guys actually use it and I don't know, get your partners to listen to it if they need to also. <laughs> yes.
0: No, I think so for sure. I could tell them that it just because it's called the FEM strong podcast doesn't mean they can't listen to it. <laughs>
1: No, seriously, we, we, I think that it's important for the males to hear it too. Like they, for them to just understand like what it is we're going through. Cause they're, they're never going to be able to understand. It's so true.
0: And I do think honestly, like your husband does such a good job on, on his platforms of like giving males that resource and like mm-hmm. a positive male influence of like being intentional and setting those rituals and I think that he's doing such a great job for the dudes so I hope that this
1: is great for the ladies too yes we I force him to talk about some stuff on the podcast just for that reason I'm like I can't be the only one because sometimes it's topics that he just isn't as excited about as me yeah it doesn't matter because there's men out there that like are supporting, this is an important topic for women, but you're supporting me in it. And the guys need to know how they can do that for their women. Amen. And he's a rare breed. Like
0: so many don't have his perspective, his perspective or his intention. And so I think
1: I'm so thankful that he's putting his thoughts out into the world. Me too. He is a rare breed, but he's not, that doesn't give anyone an out because Mm -mm. he's really just like straight up normal guy like normal guy that just did a lot of work like a lot a lot of work
0: yes he did the work like he's a rare breed now because of the work he's put in but he's testament to the fact that like like men don't get off the hook you know like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not that you can't be intentional and like supportive and communicative partner just because you're a dude like for sure like y'all can be rad and you're rad so just put in the work
1: yeah I know. I'm, re- I'm really, really, really honestly super lucky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he does seem like such a cool partner. Super supportive <laughs> that you guys have a great relationship. It's really cool. So, yeah. Okay, so let's wrap it up. How can our listeners find you?
1: Oh, you can find us uh, mostly at www.workingagainstgravity.com. That is um, not about sex, but it's not not about sex. (laughs) (laughs) it's really about health and wellness and um, finding a nutrition program that can help you live a life of intention. We do a lot of intention setting. So um, it's really uh, a great place if you want to uh, learn about nutrition or become a coach in nutrition. And then you could find us also on the social medias working against gravity. And then you can find me on the social medias, a D a D E E. Casu, C A Z A Y O U X. Yes, that, <laughs> that is an takes X, some practice. like X-ray. X-ray.
0: <laughs> if there's an X, like X-ray, in your name, your name's cool.
1: Yeah, immediately people are like, "You're from Louisiana, aren't you?" I'm like, "I have to go through the whole story. I just got married. I'm married. It's my maiden. My maiden name is not O U X, but yes, go Tigers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is he
1: from Louisiana? Yes. <laughs> so funny.
0: I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> i wouldn't have put it together that's fine. i don't know these things okay wonderful well thank you so much adi this has been so so cool we'll wrap up the episode thank you to our listeners if you have questions about the topic shoot them to us you can comment you can dm you can reach out to adi directly um, but let us know if you need anything and we are both happy to help
1: yes anytime
0: anytime all right so for our listeners thanks for joining us adi thank you so much Thanks Stacy. Yes. yes. All righty. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.